Miguel Aziz's first goal for Portsmouth. Into the path of Smithrow, into the box. Smithrow scores! A really deserved first goal in Huddersfield Town Colours. The season is almost over for everyone. That's just a fact. Most of our players on on loan only have a game or two remaining in their seasons. Obviously, the lower divisions end a little bit sooner because of the promotion playoff that's coming. Obviously, Arsenal's senior team with an absolutely massive week last week. We talked a little bit about the Chelsea win. Manchester United win was absolutely massive. I mean, just shows you where Manchester United is at the moment. We all know that was not our best match. We got bailed out by a missed penalty and a Xhaka boom. We'll take the dub. I mean, listen, they, the credit to the team. They absolutely performed to the best that they could given the circumstances. But Gabriel and Ben White were kind of like star watching. They were just in awe of Ronaldo, it felt like, for most of that game. And we got a little lucky to come away with the three points. But, hey, there's plenty of times we've gotten unlucky when we were the better side. And it just goes to show you that there's no sure thing in football. There just isn't, whether it's youth development or a senior season when it looks like Arsenal had a stronghold on the top four race, then we lose three in a row and it looked like our all hopes were lost. Then we beat Chelsea and United in the space of four days and Spurs get one point from a possible six and we're back in the lead and hopefully we can just get something from this West Ham game. We need to get three points and then we need to get three points against Leeds and there's potential for the North London Derby to really be the decider for top four. So very exciting times. It's just crazy to see the differences in Twitter. Like, I can't go on Twitter, especially when three losses in a row. It's hard for me to even talk about our youth and and be, you know, sharing my opinions in those situations because it can just be so triggering to be on Twitter at those times. But after a week like last week, there's no problem. And I'm literally just waiting to see the mix of our fans being excited and the rival fans' tears. But meanwhile, another week... Another bunch of performances for our Hale End players on loan, and actually a player returning from injury that we weren't sure was going to come back this season, and that's Ryan Alabiosu. He made his return for crew. Two final matches here at the end of the season. 53 minutes for him, played it right back in a 1-1 draw with Ipswich. Regardless of the performance, it's just great to see that he had that fight in him to come back and get that experience, even if it's just another game or two, even though Crew has nothing to play for as their guaranteed relegation. But great to see Ryan back. A little bit of what we're going to see next year from him. He's definitely going to go back out on loan. No questions there. Uh, but he, you know, he played all right for someone who hadn't played in over two months. It's been about 10 weeks since he last made an appearance. Uh, he was starting every week for Crew before the injury. He made four clearances. He made an interception. I will say he just looked a little bit in lack of match fitness, which is no surprise. I mean, any given player, when they come back from a long period out, obviously they look a little slow to the ball. When you're a defender and and your job is to win duels and and go in for the ball in 50-50s, comes a little bit more clear. Albios only won one of his four duels, um, and he misplaced only three passes, though. He, He looked sharp otherwise, really, other than kind of that anticipation and aggressiveness and I think that just has to do with the long layoff but he'll probably play in that last game of the season for crew we hope he does get one more experience in and then next season he'll go on loan again Um, my guess is probably a league one side maybe the championship really kind of depends on you know what clubs are interested in him that's really what that all that matters for a player like him he just needs the experience 
and hopefully he'll, he'll get a chance. I mean, obviously, with Brooke Norton Cuffey, who we're about to talk about here, being the big prospect at right back for Arsenal, Ryan Alibiosu gets forgotten, but he was having a stellar season for the U23s before going on loan. So he's a real prospect as well, and it's there's no problem with having a bunch of prospects in one position. You can help the competitive drive of the players to try and, you know, get to the senior team and also, you know, making sales and profits off of players. I mean, look at Chelsea. They had Reese James and Tino Livermento, and obviously Reese James broke into the first team first, and so Livermento got sold off, and that's that. That helped fund Lukaku, and, you know, this summer when they're looking, especially without Abramovich, now they'll be looking to bring in players and, and a more consistent model with the way Arsenal does, which is trying to fund it through the football club. So, Big ups for Ryan for coming back. And and speaking of Brooke Norton Cuffey, he played this week after missing the second match in last week's um, recap. Played 90 minutes at right back in a 2-1 loss to Accrington, and it really wasn't his best game. I think it's been a lot of matches for him, obviously. He had a little bit of rest. He's still coming back fully from a hamstring injury. And in his position, when his team doesn't play their best, it's hard for him to make the impact he likes to make going forward. Uh, he did have a nice moment, though, in the game where he really kind of showed his intelligence, both as a defender and just naturally as a footballer. Uh, he won the ball in his own box, and instead of making a quick clearance or just passing it back or sideways, he looked up, got his head up immediately, found an attacker who was in tons of space, played a beautiful ball to him, and the attacker ended up making a nice run into that space and getting a shot on goal that was just parried wide, but... Really nice play from Brooke, and he tried to do that again a little bit later in the game. Uh, unfortunately, his pass kind of got tipped or he mishit it. It was unclear exactly what happened, but ended up falling to the feet of a defender uh, of Accrington's who then took a long shot, and the Lincoln goalie really should have handled it better. It was hit right at him, but he put it right back into the middle of the box, and it got tapped home. Brooke certainly played his part uh, in that goal being let up, and that's why he's on loan, to learn from these experiences and see when... That first decision he made, when he made the nice play, what's the difference there? What? Why did I make the wrong decision in this case? Uh, in this case, Brooks' decision was to play the ball too centrally. If you're going to try and make that outlet pass, you really should try and make it a little bit wider. Otherwise, the ball is going to come flying back at your goalie if you don't make the pass you wanted to. Uh, but yeah, as I was saying, Accrington really just peppering the goal all game, and BNC just didn't have his best chance going forward. You know, Norton Cuffey didn't really get the chance to receive the ball in any attacking areas, and that really hindered him from having the kind of performances we've seen previously. Uh, but he's got one more match here with Lincoln. They're not playing for anything, but he'll go out there. Hopefully, you know, he'll get a little bit more involved going forward, but I'm very excited to see what's going to happen this summer. Obviously, depending on Europa League versus Champions League, I kind of am starting to feel that either way, I'd like to see Brooke Norton Cuffey with the first team next year. I think think he's gonna be able to play 15 20 matches as the backup right back I just feel like there are a lot of parts of the squad that need strengthening we definitely do need defensive strengthening but if Saliba is staying assuming he's staying that gives you holding Saliba Gabriel and Ben White to cover the two center back positions then White can slot in at right back along with Tomiyasu and then Brooke Norton Cuffey has another option then at left back you have Tierney and Tavares obviously I think there's a chance then Arsenal bring in one more defender, maybe someone who can play on both sides. I mean, I think Livermento probably would have been our main target had he not had a horrid injury um, this past weekend, which obviously you really don't like to see regardless. I mean, he is such a talent. But there's obviously a lot of discussion on Twitter about this, what we're going to do in terms of 
adding a defensive profile. And I'll be interested to see. I mean, Arsenal have a lot of really interesting defensive profiles in their academy at the moment. So it does feel like they're probably not going to spend big on a defensive prospect. And obviously with the transfer policy mostly being um, signing players who are under 24 years old, especially now in a position where you have a bunch of young players coming into that 24-25 age group, I don't think they would go out and buy a 28-29 year old covering right back, left back situation. So it'll be interesting to see. It, it definitely will be. My vote would be to see Brooke Norton Cuffey with the first team. I think he's gotten great experience in League One. Obviously, he's been stellar for most of the time. And, you know, with Tomiyasu's injury history, obviously that that's probably a big part in, in what's going to happen. But we shall see. Reese Nelson back to his finest this weekend, putting in an absolute shift at right wing in a 2-1 win over Utrecht. Uh, he played 71 minutes and... He was everywhere. I don't just mean as an attacker, but two or three times sprinting back when Utrecht's on a counterattack and making a tackle to prevent a counterattacking goal. And that's the kind of work you want to see from Reese Nelson. I feel like the biggest knock on him has always been just kind of a mindset thing. Obviously, he's loaded with talent. And it does look like ever since the Feyenoord manager said something to the press saying he wants to see more from Reese Nelson in training, Reese has kicked it into high gear. Like, even in the matches where he hasn't been at his absolute best, he has put in another level of effort and looked very lively. He has not let the game come to him. He's kind of dictated the game. And this was the same thing here. He was 21 of 25 passing, one key pass, one big chance created, one of one dribbling, five of seven duels won, and as I mentioned, those three tackles he made. Um, he also, his cross, uh, which was a lovely cross to the back post for dressers, ended up in an own goal. So, I mean, he doesn't get an assist or a goal for that. But it would have been an assist for dressers, but the Utrecht defender tried to head it away and put it in his own goal. Uh, Reese also was pretty unlucky not to get a goal himself. He actually had a big chance missed um, where he just kind of came over the top of it with his left foot a little bit, just outside the six-yard box, and flashed it just wide. But it's good to see him coming into those positions. And as I've been mentioning for the last three, four, five weeks, he's just become such a physical beast like he really has. He's figuring out the best way to use the combination of his size and speed. I mean, he's not the fastest winger out there, but when you have that stronger upper body, it helps your speed a little bit get around players because you don't actually need to get past them to necessarily seal them and get to the ball first. You can use your shoulders to get even with them and then kind of shield yourself from the defender and then you'll get to the ball first by and large most of the time. Uh, I was actually having an interesting conversation with some of my friends uh, about why there aren't necessarily as many world-class strikers as there were maybe a decade ago, you know, in the Berbatov and Percy era of things, Ibrahimovic, obviously, those types of players, Diego Costa. And I was saying how inside forward is kind of the new striker, right? Like you don't consider Salah a striker or Mane a striker. Sometimes they may be the furthest forward on their team, but they're not strikers, but they're also not wingers. They don't play their games with their heels on the sidelines. They play their games kind of in that inside quadrant uh, of the of the wing. And so we call those inside forwards, right? I mean, Saka, you're seeing him become one. He obviously started as more of a winger and now becoming an inside forward. And I think Reese Nelson is making that exact same transition. He's become so comfortable coming inside, even though he does not want to shoot on that left foot. Uh, he's getting more comfortable passing on the left foot. 
he still is happy to come inside and use his physicality and make link-up plays happen. He had a lovely little one-two with a teammate, actually with a pass off his left foot to a teammate top of the box, coming in behind the left back who was following him, and, you know, his shot got blocked. But that kind of stuff was not what Reese was doing up until January of this year. He was mostly going to the sidelines and trying to get to the byline and swing it across or, you know, dribble in from that area. That's why he was really playing more in the left wing as well. Uh, but now he's really happy to use that inner part of the pitch and becoming more of an inside forward, which I think is going to make him a lot more attractive of a player. I cannot wait to see, truly cannot wait to see what happens with him this summer. I don't know what the right answer is. Again, it's really hard to envision him being a key part in Arsenal's plans just because we have a lot of profiles like him. We need to add somebody who is guaranteed goals and Reese isn't that, and we are going to add forwards, which means Reese probably won't get a lot of playing time. If Reese is open to signing another deal, maybe one or two years on top of what he has, which is another year, and going out on loan to a Premier League side, and then he gets a good goal return, then that has his best chance of coming to Arsenal. My guess is the player at this point wants to find a home where he can really make his mark. And I think that will be somewhere in the Premier League. I wouldn't be surprised if it's Crystal Palace. They were interested in, in him in the summer. Vieira obviously has a keen eye for players like Reese, And, you know, he kind of is an interesting prospect for them to go along with Zaha, Eze, and Olise. So we shall see what happens with Reese Nelson. Another player coming back into the starting lineup and getting back to good form is Fuller and Balagoon. Unfortunately, the first match this week, he was on the bench for the entirety of the match, a 1-1 draw with Swansea, and Burrow's promotion dream was starting to slip away. You know, just a few weeks ago when Balogun was on fire, scoring and assisting in, you know, nearly every match, Burrow was all the way up to sixth place and in the playoff promotion. Um, but they were five points out going into the t match on April 27th, and Balogun got his first start in a few matches and played 60 minutes against Cardiff in a 2-0 victory, and he assisted the opener for Tavernier with some lovely hold-up play, you know, that's what Balagoon's going to do best, and we talked about it a lot at the beginning of the loan, saying that he's not going to necessarily score a lot of goals. But with the way Wilder lines up and those two midfielders who are playing in that pivot with their wingbacks a little bit further forward, Balagoon needed to be an outlet. That's always what he needed to be. And he did exactly that here. He came back to his midfielder a little bit so that Tavernier could get into some space. He laid it off to Tavernier, who fired it home from distance. And obviously, this isn't some genius creation that Balagoon gets all this credit for. It's not like the world's best assist. But it's a key pass. It's a key action in the final third. And it's intelligent. It's an intelligent play. Most strikers, when they receive the ball, don't look for a first-time pass to a player and to set them up. They're selfish and want to score a goal, which there's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes a team needs that. But Balagoon was the right profile for this position. And you have to wonder you know, why he has been left out for the side for so long. He really just had an overall incredibly solid game, really offering outlets for his wingbacks, which is really important in the system, playing really nice one-twos into space, you know, coming back to give them an option, and, and one time playing them in behind, and then that leads to attacking options for Middlesbrough, and it's not always going to lead to Balogun scoring. He's doing the dirty work here and, you know, getting down to business, and, you know, good for him. He had an overall pretty good game in 60 minutes otherwise, one-of-one one dribbling. He only misplaced two passes, the key pass, as I mentioned, uh, and won four out of six of the duels he was in and, and got fouled twice. So an excellent game for Flo. Hopefully he'll start 
in their final games, and, and maybe they'll you know have a chance at getting into the playoff promotion. That would be really, really good for his experience to play in a really meaningful game like that. And I do think if Burrow were to go up, and Wilder still has plans for Balagoon, that that would be a great loan move for him next season. So let's see what happens in the final game here, and you know, hope for Burrow's success and hope for Flo. Speaking of promotion playoffs and high-intensity matches, Jordi Jose Tutu was involved in two incredibly important matches for Rotherham's future. In the first one, he played 90 minutes at left wing back in a 2-1 win over Oxford. And, you know, it was a pretty good game for him. He was really active. You can say that. He was incredibly active, which, as if you remember, I was saying maybe four or six weeks ago, I was worried about how kind of sluggish Jordy looked. And obviously this whole injury thing is getting stranger and stranger with the boot and the crutches after certain games. But this is as lively as I've seen Jordy look since the Bochum loan three years ago. Uh, he was three of three on successful dribbles. He won four duels. Uh, he was a little sloppy with the ball, but he was really just trying to make things happen. Rotherham are pushing for as many points as possible. They're in that second position now after the 1-1 draw with Sunderland later in the week where Jordy played another 77 minutes at left wing back. And as I've been saying, left wing back is the best position for him. And I'm sure of it, and clearly Rotherham are sure of it now, and I believe that's where you'll see Jordy play for his future. That's where he's played for most of the season. Obviously, Rotherham experimented with him on both sides, and he has the ability to play on the right side. But he just looks like he wants to be more aggressive when he plays on the left side of the pitch. He just seems to feel more comfortable there. Uh, again, in the game against Sunderland, he won four duels as well um, and had two successful dribbles. I will say in both of these matches, his defensive contributions were questionable. In the Oxford match, uh, their goal came from him getting beat over the top. He was a little bit late to react to a ball over the top and did not win the duel there in the air, and that player played a cross in and the goal was scored. And then in the match with Sunderland, he was dribbled past a couple of times and just, again, it looks like he's lively when he has the ball, but he's a little bit slow as a reactionary player, and you just can't do that as a defender. Whether or not you're playing as a wingback or a fullback, you just can't be slow to the ball, and you can't be reactionary. You have to be anticipatory. And that's been Jordy's biggest issue so far this year. I think the lack of consistency in his career has probably played a big part in that. And if he can get a full season where he's not injured, which is obviously a lot to ask for, I think that could change. But that's really his biggest struggle at the moment. And, you know, Rotherham have one match left to go here to try and get automatic promotion. Otherwise, they're going to have to grind through the playoffs. Uh, they're one point ahead of MK Dons in the fight for automatic promotion, and they play Gillingham, Rotherham do, on the final day, who are fighting for their lives from getting relegated. So that's a huge match for both of those teams. And then the crazy thing is Rotherham also could win the league. So Wigan are two points ahead of them, and they play Shrewsbury, who have nothing to play for. So Wigan should more likely win that match than not. And MK Dons play Plymouth, who are fighting for their last promotion playoff spot. So there's a lot on the line here going into the final match day. And Rotherham have it all to play for. Their result will determine where they go. I mean, they'll happily take three points and second place and get promoted. And again, I think this is a situation where Jordi Osei Tutu could find himself playing for Rotherham next year if they get promoted, similar to Balagoon and Middlesbrough. 
Uh, I really think that's a possibility. It, it'll be interesting to see, obviously, if that's what Jordy wants and if that's what Rotherham wants, but they've used him quite a bit since he's been there and even when he's not fully fit. So you have to think they kind of like him as a player and he fits the system well. So big minutes for Jordy, another huge match, huge experience. These loan moves for most of these players have been great because they've been playing in some very important matches. Even for someone like Matt Smith, who's been playing for Doncaster fighting relegation all year, those are still important matches and that's the kind of experience you want. Uh, speaking of Matt Smith, he played 90 minutes this week in the 2-0 win over Burton. And first win for Doncaster in, in a few matches, which you like to see. And Matt had a good game passing the ball. He was not you know, losing the ball easily as far as passing went. A little bit sideways, though. Really wasn't as progressive as you'd like to see from him. And it was a little bit because he was playing in a deeper role and he was kind of more involved in build-up, I want to say, than he was involved in the final actions which there's no complaints if Doncaster come away with a win, right? They get two goals and they don't leak any goals. Uh, but he struggled a little bit defensively, which is you know what we knew coming into this season and something he's improved on quite a bit. But he was dribbled past twice. Uh, he conceded 2,000 dangerous areas for Burton that they, they didn't take advantage of. He looked a little tired. Smith looked a little tired in this one. Obviously, the amazing amount of matches he's played this season probably plays a part in that. And they got one to go. Doncaster are going to get relegated. That is what it is. Matt Smith's future is not one that is clear. Uh, as far as all these players on loan, his is probably one of the least clearest and, and foggiest for me. Not a future at Arsenal for him. I, I assume it'll be similar to other players who have left the club where it'll be mutual agreement and he'll find himself a free agent contract somewhere uh, and, and try to further his career. I mean, he's still young. He is still young. Another player who's... Got a really interesting decision to make as far as himself and Arsenal this summer is Daniel Ballard, who put in another great, great performance. 90 minutes at right center back in a 2-2 draw with Birmingham. And it's crazy how many goals Millwall have given up this year and how few of them have been on Ballard's side of the pitch. Almost all of them have come from miscommunications between the left center back and the middle center back, who are the two senior players in this Millwall defense. And Ballard is like, Always staring at them like, what the hell are you doing? I mean, the kid is just nails. He is an absolute demon in the back there, and he's just so freaking good in the air. 15 of 17 duels won in this match for Daniel Ballard. I'm going to say that again. 15 of 17 duels won in this match for Daniel Ballard, as Millwall are really, really, really trying to get into this last playoff promotion spot. And... Ballard was just stellar. He really was. Seven tackles, one interception, one clearance, and I'll say it again, 15 of 17 duels won. Uh, and he had five completed long balls in this match and two successful dribbles. So, uh, you know, he's really improved overall as a player, aside from just being such a physically dominant player in the air and one who reads the game very well in front of him. He has become a really, really well-rounded defender. Um, he's The other thing that's really been kind of cool to watch and something you rarely even say about a young center back is he has great awareness in the opposition's box. He has really, really good instincts. And what I mean by that is he isn't always just looking to rise and win the header and, and score a goal and just get a header on goal or whatever it might be. Like there was a time in this match when he could have easily tried to head a bouncing ball home or try and come over the top of the volley. But he had the awareness to know where his teammates were in the box. He let it drop to a teammate behind him. 
and that teammate nearly scored a goal. Uh, it was really excellent play by Ballard, and he's been doing that all season. He's won a lot of headers in the box, not only on target, but winning a header at the front post and hitting it across goal or, or the opposite. It's really nice to see from a player because that just shows you they are high footballing IQ. And Daniel Ballard is a guy with a high footballing IQ as well as the physical abilities to play center back in the English game. Be very interested to see. I continue to say this every week. I think Arsenal cash in on Daniel Ballard. He's not going to get playing time for Arsenal. I think you cash in on him, send him to a low side in the Premier League for, you know, the kind of fee that you got for Christian Beale, like eight million pounds, give or take. Um, and you know, that's not nothing. You use that and you sign potentially a defender who can, you know, sub in for Tomiyasu when he's injured, similar to Tavares. That was the fee we paid for Tavares. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I know that sounds like a minimal fee, and what's the point of that? Let's see if he can progress and be an Arsenal player. But he's just had such an excellent season, and he deserves first-game minutes at a high level, whether that's a really good championship team or a low-end Premier League team. I think Fulham would be an interesting place for him. I think Southampton would be an interesting place for him. I think Brighton would be an interesting place for him. I think Crystal Palace would be an interesting place for him. I think Crystal Palace would be a little bit higher than the level where he's needed. I mean, obviously they have Anderson and Guehi, so the minutes would be tougher there. But I think it's time for Ballard to move on for all the right reasons. And that's great. That's really great progression by Arsenal and by Ballard himself. A player who's definitely going to need another loan, though, is Nikolai Moller, who just doesn't seem to be getting the opportunities that he deserves. And I've said this every week. He played 57 minutes at striker in a 2-1 loss to Volendam uh, this week for Den Bosch. And, you know, good for him. He was able to stay a little more central in this match. Den Bosch, I guess, was able to play wide better uh, without having Moeller be that link-up player. He didn't have to drag as wide. And so he was able to get a few shots off in this match. And I know how crazy as that sounds. He's a striker that shouldn't be so hard to come by. But with the way Den Bosch have played and... As I said, the selfishness of the wingers on that team, it's been a struggle for Moeller to even get a look in at goal. And so he had two early attempts where he couldn't get the strike quite on goal. I'm not going to say they were prime goal-scoring attempts, but just even for him to get those chances is a start. Obviously, there's only two more matches now in the season for him, and I hope he can find himself a goal just to give him a little confidence going into summer. I hope he's involved in the Arsenal preseason tour, get some experience there, and then sent out on loan to probably a League One side. That would be my guess. I'd like to see him in a championship side, maybe on the lower end of things, because I think he's the type of player who needs technical quality around him, and you're not going to find that in League One. But in League One, he'll probably get some good goal-scoring chances with the openness of that league and the amount of crosses, strictly, that are played in that league. That's just a very much kind of the tactics of how most of that league worked and why you're seeing players like Brooke Norton Cuffey do so well in that division. Uh, but, you know, Moeller just continues to be a beast in the air. He does what he does physically. There is a player there already that does certain things very, very well. Uh, it's just a matter of taking that next step for him. And, and a year-long loan in the right place. I don't think that the right places were figured out for him this year. I can't speak to exactly why he went to the third division in Germany and then the second division in the Netherlands. I don't know if he wanted to be closer to home or whatever it might be. Obviously, his family, not from England. But... I think Moeller is needed in the English leagues somewhere next season. I think he knows it. I think his family knows it. Uh, and I think Arsenal know it. So there will be no surprises there if that's what happens. If not, there will be lots of surprises. 
Um, Harry Clark, though, you got to assume his Arsenal days are also numbered uh, the same way as Jordi Osei-Tutu and Matthew Smith. The versatility continues here. I mean, he started the match at left wing back. An injury forced him to move to right wing back. And he played 90 minutes in a 1-0 win where he actually assisted the winning goal. But that's really just looking at it on paper and not having an idea of what happened in this match. Harry Clark, as I've said for the last three weeks now, is literally like the Tasmanian devil. He is just whipping all over the place, running wild, like absolutely no positional awareness. I mean, to say what he had in this match was an assist is being awfully friendly. He basically miscontrolled a long pass off of his foot, then fell to the ground and it hit his back, then went over a defender's knee and his attacker put it in the goal. If that's an assist, and when Reese Nelson plays a beautiful cross in, that would have been a goal, but the defender heads it in is not an assist. That just shows you why, as you know, no new things likes to say, output is a tactical mirage. Like, you know, he didn't deserve an assist here. And I'm not faulting Harry Clark. I mean, he's the player that he is. He's a he's falling to the ground and losing the ball all over the place. That's who he is. But, you know. He had an assist, let's say, uh, but it was a little bit of a disaster other than that. 26 of 44 passing, that's under 60% passing. Uh, zero of three dribbles successful, and he lost possession 28 times. Not really the numbers you want to see from your right wing back. Uh, he also struggles a little bit in defense because he's being asked to cover so much ground. I don't know if he's being asked to or that's just how he plays, but it also speaks to the way Hibs play. I mean, clearly that's probably why they were in the relegation playoffs division in this situation. They're not going to get relegated uh, with this result, obviously making them clear. Uh, but I just don't see a world in which he's going to be able to play high-level senior football uh, if he can't figure out a way to kind of control. I think it's like an instinct thing for him. He sees the ball and he runs at it. He sees an opportunity to attack space and he runs at it, which is great. But you have to be a little more choosy and making those decisions at the right time. That's what separates a great player from a guy who just has a lot of energy. Uh, so Harry Clark likely to move to Hibs permanently, stay there, and we'll see where his career goes from there. Obviously a young player, very versatile. Uh, but I will pretty much say 100% his Arsenal career is over. A guy whose Arsenal career I hope isn't over is Tyrese John Jules, because it's just been such an unfortunate few years for him. And he's still out injured. Uh, he got injured in the first match here with Sheffield Wednesday. And there were rumors early in the loan move after that match that he could be back by early April, maybe mid-April, maybe playing the last few match weeks. But he's not back yet. They only have one match left, so you're going to assume he's not going to feature in that match. And it's just been a really tough few years for him. Since the 1920 season when he made his first loan move to Lincoln, this is the, what he's been able to do. Seven games for Lincoln before injury. 21 for Doncaster in a whole season that he was on loan. Uh, but he endured two long periods on the sidelines due to injury. So you have to assume of those 21 matches, obviously on either side of the you know injuries, he probably was playing 20, 20 minutes to get himself reacquainted. He then played 12 uh, 12. Matches for Blackpool this season where there was a mix of injury and the coach just simply not playing him. And then he played the one match for Sheffield Wednesday before injury on this loan move. So in three seasons, he has played a grand total of 40 matches. That's just so unfortunate because he was one of the most interesting physical and technical profiles that 
Arhalen had in the last decade. He was a pure number nine with unbelievable dribbling technique and unbelievable shooting technique with both feet. He was able to come to ball. He was able to stretch the line. He was really, before Balagoon, there was Tyrese John Jules. And so to have this happen for him is just devastating. I mean, if you look at his last full season for the U23s, he played 30 matches. He had 16 goals and nine assists. I mean, those are unbelievable numbers. And that was at a time when Halen didn't nearly have the attacking prowess that it has now. That was when, you know, the U23s were struggling a little bit and, and a major reason why there's been some turnover uh, in the staff there uh, was during that period how much struggle there was. So you have to feel for Tyrese John Jules. He's still only 21. He's still very young, but uh, you really have to feel for a player like him. It's got to sh- shake your confidence up and really doubt your abilities. You, you hope... He gets a full year loan move next year. He needs to be in the championship at this point. He, he That's where he was supposed to be this year, and then it didn't work out at Blackpool. They just need to find him the right move. Uh, I really hope that that'll happen for him because he is an incredibly talented profile and an incredibly nice kid. Everything you hear about him is that he's an incredibly hardworking kid, and the injuries have just been unlucky. Uh, the last three guys on loan who... Did not feature or Ainsley Maitland-Niles, who was on the bench for a 1-1 draw with Napoli and a 3-1 loss to Inter. Roma have Leicester in the semifinal of the Conference League coming up. Let's see if Maitland-Niles gets any play. That's really been the only place he's gotten any look in. I'm sure he won't start because it's a semifinal. Might get in as a substitute. Uh, and then Tim Akinola still out injured. Obviously, it doesn't feel like he'll be coming back this season. And Carl Hines still out injured with uh, only one match left for Reading. Assume his season's done as well. And for me, this is the one that's been haunting me because he started so brightly for Reading. Obviously an incredible, incredible goalkeeping talent. Already making so many appearances for Estonia's first team. And just a freak athlete and just a freak injury off the football pitch that caused this. So full loan move for Carl Heinz at the championship next season is an absolute must. If he plays a full season there and plays the way he did in the few matches for Reading that he got... He's going to challenge to be Arsenal's number two keeper with Matt Turner in a two years' time. So you keep an eye on Carl Hine, and you keep an eye on all the goalkeeping talent we have at Hale End because it's a little bit ridiculous between him, Okonkwo, Hilson, Ejihiri, Grashik. There's a lot, a lot of goalkeeping talent at Hale End. On top of that, Marcelo Flores called up to the senior team for Mexico for some friendlies this week as there's much anticipation on whether he'll decide to play for Mexico or Canada with the World Cup looming. And he featured for 30 minutes against Guatemala. And it wasn't his best performance. Uh, I think a lot has to do with the team selection for Mexico. Clearly not their best players. Most of their best players playing club football. Uh, but he, he wasn't at his best. He often was found himself in 1v2s, trying to do a little too much with the small opportunity that he got. I think he's really trying to impress the manager, obviously trying to make that final squad for the World Cup. I wouldn't read too much into it. The fans were incredibly excited to watch him play, um, many hoping he chooses Mexico, obviously a major talent. Uh, just one successful dribble for Marcelo in the 30-minute cameo, but again, wouldn't read too much into this. Hopefully he'll get one or two more appearances with the Mexico senior team, maybe a start, many expecting him to start this match. Uh, But we shall see what happens there, and we'll see who he chooses. I think Mexico, at the end of the day, seems to be the obvious choice. He's spoken about how he'd like to play for them. But if he's not in their plans, short-term and long-term, Canada's an exciting project at the time. So there's a lot to be seen there as well. And meanwhile, we've got one or two more matches left for most of these guys. 
Maybe we'll get some guys in the promotion playoffs and in, in, champ, in the championship and League One. But it's been a fantastic season for the most part. And you get seven, eight loans right out of 13 or 14, even six. That's pretty good numbers. You have to think about how hard it is to pick the right club, especially with the amount of turnover there is in football these days. So very exciting times for these lads. And we'll keep you up to date next week.